Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores this wonderful world of tabletop gaming that we are currently in. Um, we are, I guess it has been said on this podcast, I guess a lot, uh, that we are in the middle of a war gaming slash tabletop gaming slash gaming in general renaissance. There are just so many great games that we can play just out on the market right now, or that have been in existence, then we can get our grubby paws on through the joys of the internet. Um, so many games that we can spend our hobby dollars on. So many games that we can spend our hobby time on. It's just, there are just so many games. It is hard to tell sometimes what game you want to play. For example, today I was looking online at a game, uh, a fantasy wrestling game through TT Combat, Rumble Slam, where, you know, orcs and dwarves were wrestling. And I was going, man, you know, I watched wrestling in the 80s. Yeah, this would be awesome. And then went, no, I just don't have the time or the money to buy another game right now. I have too many other things going on. But that is what this podcast sort of explores. We talk, I have guests on, and we talk about the games that we're playing that we love, things that we are excited about that are coming up, um, and big things that have been going on in the wargaming world. But before we get to tonight's content, I think it is important that uh, we introduce back uh, one of my regular gaming buddies. This guy is one of the most analytical, one of the most strategic wargamers I can say I've literally ever played. I love playing this man, uh, and I am looking forward to what he brings as a TO in the next couple of months to the local bolt action scene. Of course, I am talking about the man with the beautiful beard, the wonderful dog, and the most exquisitely painted British paratrooper army, Lee Avery. Welcome back to Cast Dice. Thanks for having me again, Brad. Mate, it is always a pleasure having you on. Uh, now, you have been playing your Airborne for years now, my man. Yeah, it's getting on a bit, actually. Uh, it's two, two and a bit years, I think, coming up. Yeah, but you just added a bunch of new stuff to your existing force. Tell us some of the stuff you've been adding, because I know when Warlord came out with a bunch of stuff from Market Garden, you just bumped out big time. Yeah, I pretty much just bought everything they had. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, the way I've always run my Airborne is to effectively just have everything available. So when it comes to creating a list, I've always got lots of options and, and can take different things. So uh, the last thing with Market Garden was the special characters pack mm -hmm. along with the special figure that came with the new book. So I got all those, painted them up, and then vehicle-wise, they released a new Jeep last year, which I bought, mm -hmm. and at the same time, I also picked up a second six-pounder figure, um, an anti-tank gun, mm -hmm. and made that into a towed version. So, you know, closed the trailings on it and put little hooks everywhere and mm -hmm. had to uh, get a bit of brass rod out and bend it around and try and make it all fit. And effectively, you've made a model, so you've got the Jeep towing a trailer, towing the AT gun uh, yeah. as it was done. So that looks pretty cool on the on the table. It makes a bit of a, a long train, but, uh, you know, gives it a little bit of flavor. And then the cut-down quad tractor, which they had for the Airborne Forces, which was basically the old Morris quad. Mm -hmm. And they effectively cut the canopies off them and uh, lightened them up a bit, took out a, a bit of the, the fairings and, and what have yous, and um, used that as a, a heavier tow, which is what you really need for the 17-pounders in the game because a Jeep can't tow the super-heavy AT guns or the That's heavy right. AT guns. 
So it's good that they finally released a model that allows you to do that. Um, so yeah, it's picked that up and painted that up and it was all pretty nice. Nice and crisp, clean casts. Uh, find if you buy stuff when it's released, you always get the, the best quality. Uh, mm-hmm. If you delay and you buy a model that's you know been out five or six years, the, the moulds have been through a bit of wear and tear and you tend yeah. to find either pieces of the mould attached to your model. That's <laughs> yeah. happened a few times with a couple mm-hmm. of manufacturers. You know, sit there, pick the rubber out of the, out of the spots it's not supposed to be. Uh, or you start to get, you know, stuff doesn't line up quite properly and that sort of thing. So where I can, I try to buy uh, early on for any any sort of release with any game system, really. Yeah. Right on, man. I, I absolutely love the look of your Morris, the, the cut-down Morris. It looks literally like something out of Mad Max Fury Road. It is so giant tires, um, you know, just it's a frame of a vehicle. It's very cool. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it just needs a whole bunch of MMGs mounted all over it to get that real Mad Max look yeah. and feel. But unfortunately, can't put that on a, a tow truck. I well, just keep those for the uh, twin MMGs on the um, under the Jeeps. That's always my fun little thing. Yeah. Well, as a guy who's played against you more times than I can probably count, those MMG Jeeps, that's enough MMG. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's just those, those 10 shots. It's the mobility... Oh. Moving 12 inches, getting up close, mm-hmm. you're either getting point blank or you're getting within half range is generally... I generally aim for that 12 to 18-inch range, so that way I can't get assaulted the following turn That's and you've right. got to move and take a negative to shoot me back, etc. Mm-hmm. And then just sort of... Most people tend to go down if they're smart because 10, 10 shots, you know, generally needing fours to hits mm-hmm. um, can be quite hurtful to most units. Mm-hmm. You know, regulars are probably going to lose two to three guys to that without sort of any other modifiers. Um, veterans, I'd sit there and take it personally as a person who uses a lot of veteran mm-hmm. units. I'd probably, if it's four plus, you hit with five, maybe you kill one or two. That's you know, right. That's how I always look at it. And generally, you know, depending on how I'm feeling, maybe you go down or something. And I think that's had a lot of new players entering the scene lately, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you've noticed locally. And um, one of the big things I tell them is, look, it's it's not a game around stacking up, you know, how many shots can I put into this guy? It's really around pins and it managing is. your pins. So it's making that decision as, do I go down or do I sit there and take the hits? If I sit here and take the hits from that unit, is he going to pile in with more shots from other units? I'm going to take a pin. Am I going to end up taking three or four pins in the turn? Would I be better off just going down now? What's the trade-offs? But if they're shooting at this one unit trying to take them out, my other stuff's free to move forwards without any issues so i think pin management is the big thing and i think there's the second edition to change the rally rule where it's just straight off your your regular command or leadership it makes a big difference i think playing a few other people around the place i don't think enough people use it often enough i see people trying to you know they've got two or three pins on themselves and they're like i'm still going to try and shoot your guy i'm going to try and move my tank forward it's like, dude, you, you need to actually stop yeah. rally. Use that rally right now, yeah. Correct, yeah. Because otherwise, you, you're neg two, neg three, yeah, you might pass your leadership check. You're then shooting at me with a neg two or three penalty as well. Yeah. You're not going to be doing anything. It's really that choice. And I find with the vets, they can sit there and take sort of three or four pins, mm-hmm. do a rally, reform, go again the next turn. Yeah. So if just thinking about what you're saying there, and I agree mm-hmm. completely, um, I also use rally quite a bit. And uh, I tend to use it, it seems, against you because you always 
pin my units down. Uh, but one of the things that I've noticed when playing against your Jeeps is you'll get them in a position where, you know, as you say, you have to move to try and shoot them if you want to reach out and, and tag them before they tag you. But if you do that, then you recce away. Um, so you almost have to wait, you almost have to get the airborne player, in this case you, to come to commit to hitting me first, so then I can come at back at you. So it takes a combination of my units to do that. Unfortunately, and I'm probably letting the cat out of the bag on this one, you're a good enough player that you wait until usually later in the turn. So you are forcing me to hold up and jam up a, like a quarter, if you know, a third of the board just so I can see what you do with those damn Jeeps so I know how to counter them. And it's not that they are, you know, the they're not going to destroy my army, but they are damaging enough that they can really cause problems if you ignore them over the course of a game. And if I can get one or two of those Jeeps either out of commission or force them to get away from me, um, for a turn or two, it really then allows me to, for example, rally the guys that you've been pinning or, um, you know, but you do want to go down when you're shooting at me. So it just, it, it just, it makes no, a no win situation for the guy you're playing against sometimes, um, that some, a couple of cheap Jeep units can set up that it just means that I'm not dedicating you know, chunks of my army against your veteran troops. I'm worrying mm. about the, the mosquito, not the lion coming for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a 52-point annoyance Yeah, at, at veteran level. Um, which, yeah, and the thing is, so when, when we talk about more than one Jeep, I generally use the Market Garden Theatre Selector out of the British mm -hmm. book, the, the base list in there, and that allows you to take up to three of the recce Jeeps. Um, the converse thing on that, though, that... The list is quite restricted. It um, is. You can't take any any tanks at all. So there's no Tetrarchs, no Locust. Mm -hmm. Forget Shermans or anything of that flavour. Uh, and you can take a 17-pounder, but you can't take a tow. So <laughs> if you take one and it's a mission where you've got to actually come on to the first wave or reserve or something, then your 17-pounder stuck off. So generally, only take that if I'm using a generic platoon and yeah. put the toe in just in case. Um, so that sort of changes the way I, I do things. But usually only access that list effectively to get access to more than one Jeep. It's yeah, my general exactly. strategy. If I want to take the 17-pounder that I've got, I'll run a, just a normal uh, generic platoon selector out of the British book. Mm -hmm. But I'll basically take everything as veteran anyway and treat them as a normal paratrooper force and exactly. follow that sort of thing. I'm not someone who suddenly has an inexperienced LT or an inexperienced yeah. mortar or sniper or something no, popping exactly. up in my list randomly. Uh, I generally take all vets where I can for that sort of listing and then sort of follow that theme. Um, just backtracking a minute or yeah. two, uh, you're asking about sort of making things. I think talking about Market Garden and that new campaign book when it mm -hmm. came out, I, I had, a, had a good read through. Lots of ideas bubbling up in my head. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? What conversions can I do? You know, they, they release some new models, but there's a lot of stuff in there that's not part of uh, the listing mm -hmm. uh, or of, of available models, but they're, they're available within the game through that sort of campaign system. Yeah. Uh, so I made up a scout squad for the, uh, the Airborne. So nice. they had these smaller squads, but you can give them two LMGs. So they're part of the Market Garden drop small, forward deploying the squad so the idea was the platoons would drop in together they'd send a few um, dudes forwards with a couple of lmgs basically as a, a tripwire kind of unit so if 
the enemy came in, they could either fire some defensive fire and then fall back, or they could, you know, sort of hold them off until the others sort of moved forwards, depending on the, the scenario. Nice. So I painted up five of those using the, the, the plastic kit, sort of made up a few different poses, which is quite good. Um, I found I've, I'm, I've run out of, from the boxes that I've had, of the, the kneeling figures, and I've run out of figures which are sort of more static. Um, the ones I'm left with are all the running bodies, so mm -hmm. I've got a pile of those, and they, they sort of sit, fit in with what I'm sort of building. Uh, and then the other thing I've done this week, actually, is convert up a new MMG team. Yeah. I saw which, pictures of this. Now, I, tell us about this because it's cool. I did send you a picture of it. So in the, in the New Market Garden book, they talk about some of the different forces and companies that were involved in the air landing side of things. Uh, and one of those was actually the British Pathfinder company. Mm -hmm. um, so this was, the Americans had their Pathfinders that they used on D-Day. Um, I actually use a unit of US Airborne with the Pathfinder models as a Pathfinder unit from the old um, Battleground Europe book. Mm -hmm. There was a unit there that was for that. So I generally use those guys to represent sort of an attached American unit that's supporting. Um, but they've actually detailed out the Pathfinders for the British that were formed for Market Garden. Uh, and the interesting thing was it was actually just a single company of 50 guys uh, that they broke up into four platoons of 12 oh, wow. um, with a with an LT, a senior LT, and a um, and a runner, so effectively mm -hmm. fifty guys, uh, which they could jam into sort of a twelve man, basically into a glider, and then mm -hmm. the, the two other guys sort of squeeze in somewhere. Um, so the idea behind that was they they were sort of more highly trained. They were sort of the creme de la creme of the paratroopers, um, if you will. They were given additional training on German weapons because the idea is they would go in first. Mm -hmm. No guarantee you're going to get resupplied reliably or with the right equipment. So they were cross-trained in how to use MMGs, you know, SMGs and all mm -hmm. that sort of thing that um, the Germans had. Uh, what happened with these guys when they dropped in? Oh, each, each squad also was... So it was a 12-man squad. Uh, they generally... Each squad had a light mortar. So there was four light mortars across the company. Mm -hmm. And the um, they also had access to extra piats if they needed them as well. So um, in the listing in Market Garden Book, you can take four light mortars if you want, or you can take additional piats. Mm -hmm. And I've effectively I, I've had a play around with taking just a fifty man uh, block and mm -hmm. looking at taking four light mortars and then you know, MMGs and things like that to try and combo combination around. So still only got 50 bodies total for the whole yeah. company. Because effectively you could name each individual model if you wanted to. Yeah, you could, couldn't you? Yeah. So yeah. And, and that's what they sort of detail in the book. But one of the things they talk about was they actually captured a literal cartload of German weapons to the point where they appropriated, and I use little quotation marks mm -hmm. there, uh, a local cart and horse. So that's also something you can take in the list. Nice. Uh, which interesting modeling opportunity and it really won't do anything except be a horse and card on the board. Mm -hmm. Extra order dice maybe at a cheap's cost. Yeah. Uh, but they basically filled that with the weapons they captured. So what that's led me to do is actually convert up a British paratrooper MMG unit, but using an MG42 from uh, a German's listing because that's mm -hmm. one of the options. So... I've now got two MMGs, one of the regulars, one with the MG42. So it's just purely an aesthetics thing. Obviously, in-game, I'm not taking an extra shot or anything silly like that. Yeah. 
but yeah, finished putting that together last night in the wee hours and uh, just yeah. need to do some basing and get the primer out. Oh, that's great, man. And there's some great horse cart models out there, too, if you wanted to get that. Now, I, I know that we're not talking about, oh, you know, listing for efficiency or, you know, kicking people's teeth in or anything like that. But um, it's just... I, I love a project like this. I was looking years ago at a Marine Raider list, um, like the the Marine Raiders that um, made the raid on Macon Island. And yep. I looked and I found the exact squad layouts and I found exactly how many guys there were and exactly what they had. And I bought the models to do that literal force because it was so small. It was, I think it was a like hundred some odd dudes. Um, I have all the models to do those guys with those guns. Um, but they had some particular listing um, idiosyncrasy, uh, idiosyncrasies. They didn't have bazookas. They had ATRs, anti-tank rifles. Um, and they had a certain number of submachine guns, a certain number of bars, a certain number of um, just guys with rifles per squad. And I literally kitted them out exactly like they were. Um, but it made, I really enjoyed the process of doing that research and then putting it on the bolt action tabletop. And I, I like how you're talking about it as well. So you could actually, you have a set number of dudes. You can't have any more than 50. Um, and you can just tick them off and say, all right, I'm going to take two light mortar teams. So that's four guys out of that. I'm going to have my LT and his buddy. So that's two more. And I'll have, you know, five squads of you know, like half squads of six or so that's another 30 plus and you just start tagging them out um, and you can be historical with your listing and do some fun stuff for bolt action. Um, and as you're going through that, as you're buying all veteran stuff, I mean, that that takes up a lot of points, but then taking like a regular horse cart because, you know, they just grabbed some random bros horse cart. Um, there you go. That that might be your one thing in your list that isn't veteran. Um, yeah, but it, I think, it, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, the other the other thing with that list, I mean, I pointed it up with the fifty guys, mm-hmm. and even then, I was not able to get to a thousand points. Oh wow! I think it was coming in at around eight or nine hundred because your standard veteran guy is like fourteen, so that was like seven hundred points. But then. If you take a light mortar, well, you're taking two guys out of the squad of 12, effectively. That's true. So then you're putting in a light mortar, but the points difference isn't big. I think the LT was adding me. It might have come into about 850 or something, but Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't even get it to 1,000, and that's why I was looking at, well, okay, well, if I take three guys out of the squad and put in an LMG, but the three guys is, what's that, 42 points, and Mm -hmm. then the MMG's 50, so I'm only gaining eight points there, and I was sort of having a bit of a play around with it, so... I think I'll probably end up working out a list that's going to have sort of, you know, a first LT and four mm-hmm. squads of, what are they going to be? They're going to be seven to eight guys each. And then you're going to have a mix of light mortars, piats and two MMGs or something. I think you can take two MMGs in the list from off the top of my head. But, um, yeah. you know, that sort of combination, it's still probably not going to get there. So the, the horse and cart may actually just make up that extra little bit that's needed or yeah. it might not. So or I've got to find an event that sort of has a, a lower points limit, which we have occasionally and we see how it fits in. Yeah. Oh, that would be such a cool army too, um, to base it I just want to run. Yeah. I just want to run that company as a 50 guy company. These were the guys on the day they got dropped in. Here's how they were kitted out. Yeah. Here's them with a captured MG 42. And I think it'd just be a good theme to run for a, for yeah. a day. But, uh, I need to 
um, put together a lot more light mortars as well because I've only got a single, so I'd need a couple more there too. Well, I have, uh, uh, as you know, I have uh, acquired the equipment and now the software, and I've been learning how to use it uh, as to how to do a video bat report, like live stream games, um, where you, the listeners, can uh, find out when we'll be streaming games and watch the games while we play them. Uh, or if it's not your time zone and you're like me and you like to watch battle reports that people put online at lunchtime, uh, when you're eating your lunch for five minutes, um, you will be able to find it on YouTube. So, Lee, the force you're describing sounds perfect for a game that, you know, you could set a point limit and say, look, my army comes to 923 points. Um, that's all I could get in there. And I could say, cool, I will make a German army for that much and we'll play a Battle of the Bulge, or not Battle of the Bulge, a Market Garden game. Um you know, we'll stream it. You have a purpose to do it. It'll be fun, and you know, we can have a good time with it. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing is um, that Market Garden book's got a what's it got like fifteen or something scenarios oh, in yeah. it. Oh yeah, and they they range from you know a German patrol of you know three units of five out mm -hmm. patrolling a for forest road, and they. You know, the um, paratroops are coming in and they're sort of setting up the alerts and trying to capture things. And mm -hmm. So there's a wide range in there as well, I think, um, along with your more traditional games. Definitely. Sort of, you know, let's get a 1,000 points and try and squeeze 12 order dice in if I can, and off we go. Well, that's one of those things where, you know, you and I are used to playing three games in one day for a particular event. You know, we could just do a two-day, you know, sorry, a two-man event where we just uh, we set up the the lists and we get the ter terrain ready in advance. We record, uh, you know, we play the first game, record it, play the second game, record it, play the third game, record it, and we're done. Uh, yeah, and, and some of those yeah. are quite small games. Exactly, which would work out brilliantly. Uh, I'm, yeah. I would love to do that. So let's hook that up, man. That sounds like a really exciting, fun way to. Uh, for you to get that that army on the table, and uh, yeah, for me just to get some good fun games in. Done. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Speaking of getting some games in um, and having some fun and playing in some one day events, uh, coming up this Saturday, uh, or sorry, this Sunday. Jeez, Louise. Uh, July the first at Good Games in Melbourne, we are having Operation Bear now. Operation Bear is the bolt action uh, tournament that I set up a little while ago. I was excited about having a small, uh, intimate event. Um, I tried to make it 20 people, um, and it sold out in 20 minutes. <clears throat> so um, it is now 33 players uh, and uh, with a wait list, and we will see how many people we actually get on the day, um, and we will go from there accordingly. Uh, it is super exciting to have such uh an explosion in local in the local scene uh from new players uh and from especially seeing uh people i know from other game systems um we have uh you know famous quote unquote famous or just people who are really known in certain scenes um be them you know Malifaux or Warhammer 40,000 uh who just bring such a high level of hobby uh and you know a wealth of wargaming knowledge 
to the bolt action tabletop. Uh, it's just fantastic to, to get those guys back. Uh, we saw quite a few of them at Operation Wolf, the last event I ran, uh, and a few of them played at um, the local event. I can't believe my brain. Oh, Operation Grief that happened, um, which was the last event that happened. Uh, and now we have quite a few of them coming back for Operation Bear, which is what I'm running. Uh, and I'm really excited uh, just with the with the 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 breadth and of different lists and um, different players and the experiences that they're bringing uh, to this event. And the I don't think I've had a single resub of lists yet. Um, I put in the player pack that I was I was really hoping that people could bring lists that would be beginner friendly, um, that weren't necessarily designed to kick people's teeth in. Um, that it was just supposed to be a nice, good, fun day, um, and the of the trophies that I put together for the event, um, I think reflect that. And so, I'm just really excited about everything that's coming in. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm really keen. Now, as one of the players, Lee, is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to, or are you just looking forward to uh, a relaxed day of bolt action shenanigans? I always like throwing some dice down on the table and uh, get some games in. I, I've found lately it's easier for me to block in a day to go yeah. and play a bunch of games than it is to try and organize a single game with somebody during the week or on a weekend or things like that. It's easy you to know. just block out a day and say, that's my gaming day. I'm going to go along mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm literally turned off from the rest of the world for the day. Um, then it is to sit there and say, oh, let's try and get a game on Sunday at one o'clock and then life happens and, and things just don't happen. So from my point of view, you know, I always look forward to these one day events. We seem to be having one every two to three months at the moment, mm-hmm. um, which is really good because it sort of gives you time in between to maybe paint up something new or mm-hmm. to think up some new lists. Um, certainly within the local hobby scene or local gaming scene, we're seeing a lot of varied points values mm-hmm. being put forward at different events. Everyone's sort of trying different things. Let's, you know, it's not just a thousand points every time it's let's do 800, let's do 13, let's mm-hmm. do 12, let's do 10. You know, it's, it's lots of different stuff. Um, so, you know, seeing a good variety of things, it's forcing people to think about what they've got. Um, but at the same time, though, for newbies coming in, we are sort of seeing a sort of a staggered increase in points values for some events as well, taking that in consideration, not just sort of saying, oh, well, you need to rock up with 1,200 points. And, you know, it's making it sort of a bit more friendly to building up some forces for people. But then you look at some of them and uh, they're just going all in. And it's like, yeah. dude, you've got 4,000 points worth of stuff sitting on your table. Yeah. Um, you need to make some decisions and, and probably choose what you're going to paint up. Um, and the, the other good thing about, you know, I mean, you mentioned people coming in from other systems mm-hmm. is a lot of those guys are long-time hobbyists from a, a conversion and painting, mm-hmm. theming point of view. We're seeing some really impressive stuff coming out as well. Um, certainly lifting the bar in a, in a few areas. Um, it's, it's you know, sort of as someone who's been around in a few different game systems over the last couple of decades locally, uh, it's good to see them coming along and, and certainly yeah. put the efforts in as well. And it's not just um, in putting the time in on their own armies either. Um, we're seeing new terrain from new players who are contributing things from their own personal collections. Uh, we're seeing people who have, you know, just just spent so much time uh, on the on the 
maybe the intricacies of their tanks. Um, like, of course, I'm thinking of Nick Beatty, uh, who's been on a past episode with his King he Tiger. He needs another hobby. He <laughs> yeah, needs another yeah. hobby. Like, honestly, the amount of time he's put into that Tiger is just, it looks beautiful, but yeah. it's like those rivet counting mm-hmm. model hobbyists that you run into at the local hobby stores, not game stores that yeah. do those dioramas. He's He's just... In my mind, I'm a, I'm a I'm a paint it for the table guy. Yeah, I don't know. I put it, I put a bit of effort in. It's going to look good on the table, but you know, it's not going to be super tiny detailed when you get right up close. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's it's more than three colors and, and try to put a bit more effort in. But he's just taking it like display quality tiger and he's putting it on the table. I'm yeah. like, I probably would have painted three or four vehicles in that time that he spent on that. But yeah, each yeah. to their own. Amen. Well, what's also really exciting about that army, and we always talk about his goddamn King, Ti- uh, King Tiger, uh, or his beautiful Fall of Berlin board, both of which are absolutely sensational. And he's bringing it to Operation Bear. Thank you very much, Nick. Um, but it should be said that he also bought two of the, I think they're called the, the Fall of Berlin box, or whatever the infantry box is. I can't remember the name. From so the right big now. battle one with the Russians versus Germans. He he has that, but he also has the the like the the people's militia box. Um, so you get like the little the you know the Hitler youth. Um, you get the fat old man German officer, and you get you know some some grizzled oh, the, old men. Yep, yeah, yeah, that box of metal models. And he literally he had two of them, and he's like, you know, I don't like duplicates, and so he converted every single model in the other box to look completely different. And I and I don't mean he changed a head or he moved a gun. No, he like sculpted gray coats on dudes. Or he, you know, cut a guy's leg off at the knee and gave him a crutch. And you're just going, you're kidding me, right? It's unbelievable. And he's done that across his whole army. And you just look at it and go, yeah, dude, as Lee said, you need a new hobby. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, but it's not just him. He's part of a whole big group. Um, Byron, who was on in the last episode, our Canadian friend, his stuff is rad. Uh, you know, Jermaine, just we're seeing all sorts of really fantastic stuff come out. Pip's fins. I mean, we're talking about some really cool new armies. Uh, new takes on old armies, Canadians, Finns, um, you know, Papuan uh, allies with uh, Australian forces in the jungle. Like, just the stuff that people are bringing to the table is just awesome. And you're just going, yeah, man, this is cool. And they're they're researching things that, you know, we hadn't thought of before. You know, I... You know, I'd like to think I've been in the bolt action game a long time, but they've kicking out some stuff that I'm like, yeah, okay, I I don't know anything about what you're talking about right now, and they know it, and it's great, and you just go, this is fantastic. We need more of this. Um, ben Llewellyn's coming back. He was at Operation Wolf and was one of the runners up for Best Painted. Um, he's doing a table of terrain for Operation Bear, and his stuff is so on. It's just so on point. Um, he is fanatical about just the detail and the camouflage on every single one of his infantry models. And then, of course, you have all the people who are already in the scene who are just doing fantastic stuff. Uh, Tristan, I believe, is doing a new army for this event. I believe he's painting a commission army uh, for our old buddy in Sweden, uh, Jacob. And 
he's going to take that partisan army to Operation Wolf. So we'll see another entirely new army from him. Um, just, you know, just so many different armies, so much cool stuff that's going to be there. I'm just really excited. Um, it's just going to be fun day uh, of wargaming. And yeah. So I guess, Lee, the next question is, what are you taking? I am taking British Air Vaughn, surprisingly. Uh-huh. Uh, I, d- I just want to put the caveat out there that I have uh, actually got another army that I am almost ready to kick off. I've bought all the parts for it. I'm just nice. waiting for one last um, order to turn up in the mail before I get started. Um, so mm-hmm. I will be moving to a new army for next year. And it's going to be all regulars, no veterans. Nice. Um, so I'm building it around a purely regular um, listing. Mm-hmm. It's... Looking at the list itself, it's pretty bland. So from, from my point of view, compared to what I usually do, mm-hmm. uh, what I'm looking to do is, is really it's around the hobby and the modeling and the, mm-hmm. the theme aspect behind it. Um, so I spent a lot of time looking at the, I suppose, photographs of those those units and the theatres mm-hmm. they're active in and done a lot of reading and there's more reading to do. I've got a bunch of tags in my internet yes, sort of thing of, of stuff I need to go back and read. But, um, yeah, I'll be kicking those off soon. But that's a future project. Maybe we can talk about that on a, another episode. Yes, please. Uh, around how that sort of come about and all that sort of thing. But bring it back to off there. Uh, so the interesting thing here, talking earlier around different points, mm-hmm. you have selected an interesting number. I have. Um, I, 100 I, yeah, one, 11 points. Yeah, sorry. I, I talked over you there, so it cut you off. Sorry. So yeah, it's 1,111 points. I really wanted to do something that was different that would, you know, because a lot of people have built their list for 900 points, 1,000 points, 1,200 points, 1,350. Well... Build it to a new one, guys. Sorry. It has made it a little bit more difficult. Yes. And I believe you're, you're handing out an award for somebody who gets exactly 11, 11, 11. Is that the deal? Is that no, the, no. Well, I, uh, might, I might give out a little sum sum. Um, I, have, okay. I, have, I have a plethora of prizes. Uh, it is not actually in the trophy pool, but the, yes, there are. <laughs> there, there's actually a surprising number of people that have hit 11, 11 right on the nose. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'm going to do that like little gag award now, but, um, yeah, I, I am, I'm introducing some new trophies like, um, bolt action badass, uh, for those people who have heard me talk about certain armies being quote unquote easy mode in the past, um, I'm, I'm giving the, the award to someone who's going hard mode. Uh, you want to bring your Norwegians rock and roll, man, bring them. Uh, you want to bring something that, you know, is guaranteed by the internet to never win a game? There's your hard, play hard mode, man. Don't take any big HE. Don't take your flamethrowers. Don't take your snipers. Don't take anything that the internet tells you is good. Go out there and uh, see if you can do it hard mode. Um, so that is what that is. There's going to be a best theme trophy. There's going to be a... Um, a hobby hero for someone who really goes above and beyond. Uh, I'm I'm really hoping that somebody steps up as awesome as Nick's stuff is. I would like I would love to see someone uh, try and grab that crown uh, and kick it off his 
kick him off as King Tiger. Um, cause man, just the level of hobby that people are bringing to the table is so good. Uh, and I really want to reward that. And so we have stuff like that. We have best sportsmanship, um, best themed army. Um, so there's, uh, six trophies for sort of fluff prizes. And then there's, of course, then there's the podium. Um, and we have an unbelievable prize pool. Uh, so I know I said this on the last podcast, but a few people have asked me, so I don't know if everyone's listening. Hopefully they'll hear it this time. Uh, War and Peace Games are unbelievable supporters of the local bolt action community. They are the Australian distributors for Warlord Games, plus they sell Rubicon uh, and tons of other stuff. Um, Warhammer you know, Games Workshop products now, too. They just sell tons of stuff, and those guys are the best. And I called them up and said, hey, I have this event. Uh, it's sold out in 20 minutes. Help. Uh, and they sent me the best care package of prizes, of prize support ever. Um, if you want to get bolt action stuff, call them. Say, hey. Or not even bolt action. You want to get some hobby stuff for your house? You want to play some games? Call them up. Talk to them. They can get it for you. They're personable. They're knowledgeable. They're wonderful. I love those guys. And they support us in a big way. They they donated something like 14 prizes to the prize pool. And I don't mean like a blister. I mean like King Tigers. Amazing amounts of prize support. So guys, support the guys who support us. Call up Ian and John at uh, War and Peace Games. Hook them up because they hooked us up big time for this event. Um, yeah, so we have support from them. We have support from Knights of Dice. Um, not only are they giving us some prizes for the prize pool, they're bringing like five tables of their fantastic terrain to the event itself. Um, and man, it's next level stuff. Those boards are so great. And I cannot wait to see you know people playing at event that I'm running on those tables. It's, oh, it's awesome. Plus the venue, man. Good Games uh, Melbourne, Good Games, so there's two now. Um, the one on Lonsdale Street is where this event will be. It's, since they've renovated, it's well lit, it's clean, it's nice. They have, you know, great snacks, uh, tons of space. Um, the last time we did an event, Op Wolf, the tables were spaced a little closely together. Um, the hobby manager was out of, time, out of town at the time, and when I set up, I didn't realize that you could move them, um, which was kind of a noob mistake on my behalf. But for this event, everything will be spaced out. There'll be a lot more, um, you know, ass and elbow room, I guess is the old uh, convention saying. So, yeah, it's just, it's just fantastic, man. I'm just really excited about the whole event, and... Oh, I forget what we were talking about. I just got on a, a rabbit hole of thanking amazing people. <laughs> we're talking about my list. <laughs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> I'm going to stop talking now. Lee, tell us about your list. Yeah, so I haven't submitted it yet, and I had a bit of a play around the other day. When I'm making lists, I generally have this this standard core that I've used pretty much from day one mm -hmm. uh, when I bought the initial Warlord Metal paratroop box set from war and peace games coincidentally hey. uh at CanCon a few years ago which is one of our big conventions in australia mm -hmm. and I, I bought that and it sort of had i think 30 troops in it as a sort of a starter thing so 
you know, I built three units and an LT unit out of that, and I think there was a couple extra guys. I can't remember what I used them for, but um, effectively, I've, I've literally used that same core in every list that I've run mm-hmm. in the last two and a half years or whatever it's been, um, and it's basically just a, an LT with a with a meat shield. Um, I mean, support guy, and yeah, exactly, friend with gun. <laughs> he's, his special friend and then I, I run three units of eight um i've experimented before these are all veteran paratroop units so i've experimented before with um unit sizes of sort of seven up to ten i've run 11 or 12 occasionally for a single unit just to sort of see how they go mm-hmm. um uh, sort of eight sort of been where i've always just gravitated back to um and it's not driven off any maths or anything i think mm-hmm. it's just how it sort of fits in as a core and how it performs on the table, what sort of options I have for removing casualties and things like that, and just sort of ability to wear hits and then dish it back out, I suppose, is the big thing. So, yeah, well, core, hold on. A lot of people yeah. usually say, and I, I look, I know I'm guilty of this. A lot of people say that sort of the sweet spot for regular squads is sort of around eight or sometimes nine. And people usually talk about the sweet spot for. Veteran squads um, is usually around seven or maybe even as small as six, but you like to run vet squads in eights, um, yep. which some people would say is too big. It's too expensive. Um, so you're running squads sort of counterintuitive to the quote unquote um, what the meta says. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, do you was that intentional or did you just sort of go bigger over time? Um, did you start that way? What What's your thinking behind that? I started with eights, and that's sort of where I've ended up and where I'm comfortable. I think mm-hmm. the my issue with six, like I could take those three units that I use as a core and make it four units of six. That's mm-hmm. just swapping bodies out. That's all that is. Um, if you take a unit of six and you're trying to capture an objective across the table and you take a casualty or two on the way over... Yeah and you're down to four guys, and that free 12-man Russian squad is yeah. sitting there waiting for you. But I don't care if you've got four guys that are stubborn. Mm-hmm. 12 guys attacking you are going to, on average, guess what? Kill four guys. Yeah. Because they need fives. Your squad's dead. That's right. Sure, it's fine. You're killing on threes, and you're going to kill three back. You're wiped out. Like, so... I find that you're going to take casualties during the game. So, yeah, mm-hmm. six might be wonderful, but it also comes down to what they're kitted out with. Yeah. If you've got a bunch of SMGs, so you've got assault when you get to finally combat or something, great. Taking toughest boots characteristic, which is what I take 99% of the time for the extra attacking close combat, because mm-hmm. um, I think there's a sufficient shooting already. It doesn't need a, an extra boost. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's where eight sort of sits. So in my mind, I've always looked at it and said, Veterans eights, regs at ten, inexperience of twelve, because you're going to take casualties, and it's really, for me, it's always about the objective and capturing it and being able to hold it. Yeah. Getting onto an objective with three or four guys, way too easy for someone to shoot you off or assault you off or clear you off. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to hold. So, in my mind, the extra order dice versus survivability of a unit, it's it's sort of I take the the bigger unit yeah. in my mind. Uh, an extra order dice, always generally going to be under. 
compared to my opponent yeah. most of the time, unless they're taking a tiger or something silly that's yeah, exactly. chewing up a ridiculous amount of points. But mm-hmm. even then, I don't think I've ever played against anyone who's had less than eight dice. I think it's the smallest I've ever played against, um, which is still, it's not a big variance. Um, the biggest I played against was 18 dice, and that was, from my point of view, that was a nightmare. Uh, just the sheer volume of... Yeah shooting and pins they were able to put out it was an inexperienced list i think based off a uh french listing i think they were using or mm-hmm. rush i don't think it was a russian listing it was like a frenchy listing thing with inexperienced guys and the sheer volume of fire they just when you're rolling 12 guys or big units mm-hmm. roll 12 dice need a six to hit you're going to hit once or twice you're going to cause a pin but because you've got so many more units you just cause so many more pins spread across yeah you can put three or four pins on my guys, then I'm having to spend a turn rallying. You basically just shut me down. That's right. Um, so I find those large dice swarm armies very difficult to deal with um, as a sort of um, veteran smaller based force. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing with those forces as well, you can have a, a first LT, a, a cheap, inexperienced first LT sitting behind, giving them plus two on the command checks, which negates a lot of the negativities. And it's a big bubble. You know, you can get a take a major or a captain or something, get that 12-inch bubble. You can have someone sitting behind in yeah. cover and just spamming out this big buff bubble, mm-hmm. which sort of negates their inexperience sort of um, levels to a certain degree. So it's, it's you know, always a trade-off. But, um, yeah, my core has always been these three eight-man units. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of those units have... Uh, I always give my NCOs SMGs, no matter what sort of force I'm putting together. That's right. Just to mark them out a little bit and just sort of make them cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I take an LMG in two of those units mm-hmm. and then an additional SMG in those units as well. So effectively, it's eight men, two SMGs, LMG, and five guys with rifles, one of which obviously loads each turn. So That's from right. range, four rifles and an LMG, I'm putting out eight shots at range. Yeah. Up close, SMGs come into play, putting out four shots there. You know, if I've lost a couple of rifles or whatever on the way in, LMG's another four, I'm still putting out about eight shots. So I'm putting around, depending on who's left and what point, mm-hmm. eight to ten shots generally. You're going to hopefully get a hit off that unless someone's on six on sixes, yeah. for instance. Um, so that's sort of, generally use those as more sort of fire bases. They don't tend to sort of move up too far. They've got the longer range with the LMGs and, and a lot of rifles. Um, so they're really sort of there to spam out pin, pins themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third unit's basically an assault unit, so it's NCO with SMG and then four guys with SMGs and then three guys with rifles. So it's a bit more of a move up, I can take a shot here or there, maybe I'm like, oh, I only need fours or fives to hit those guys, you know mm-hmm. what, I'll just advance and shoot. But generally they're running up a flank or they're running up using cover through the centre, yeah, they are. aiming to get close, start munching through enemy units uh, each turn. You know, sending five guys with SMGs and tough as boots. You're getting, you know, five five attacks plus maybe the six. Yeah. You get an additional two, seven attacks with re-rolls on any hits. Yeah. Against regulars, you're going to hit three, four, then another two. You're going to mm-hmm. kill about four or five guys in a single round of assault. Generally, that will win you most assaults as veterans. Yeah, as the guy who's usually playing against you or often plays against you, yes, that hurts. Um, I do think it definitely um, bears mentioning that your the two squads that you're talking about that you use to reach out and touch someone, um, I find that you often, or you when playing against you, those make for 
just wonderfully defensive units. You not only have the range with the LMG and the rifles to reach out and put some pins on as people come in and to take casualties off of units, but if someone gets close enough, as you say, with those SMGs, um, you know, you're able to throw out even more firepower. And if you need to advance around a corner, for example, to, you know, close, you know, close spray someone um, who's advancing on you, for example, which you've done in the past, um, you've just, you're with those four SMG shots, um, you know, because you don't have the minus one for uh, moving and shooting, you're just, you're hosing somebody. Um, You're just really, you know, a lot more efficiently hitting someone. And then if they happen to assault you after you do that, um, which I have done in the past, you again have uh, veteran troops, enough of them to cause some damage, and you've got a couple of assault weapons to get a couple of those key rerolls as well, and you have the um, the national rule that gives you the bonus attacks that really gives them teeth in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, it's crazy. And don't forget they got stubborn too, so... You you know, yeah. even if you cause a bunch of pins, I'll go do a command check from losing casualties. I'm still testing on tens. You know, it's mm. very rare for me to have someone run away. And, you know, I've certainly had a single paratrooper sitting on eight pins holding an objective at the end of a turn just didn't get pinned out. And it's just literally each turn his job is to rally. Yeah. Just rally and sit there and take it and just go, I'm in cover, I'm down or whatever, and just try and survive hold the objective so yeah so that's yeah anyway that's generally my core yeah so you're um, going to take those three core units what else are you going to take uh so yeah second lt at veteran uh mm-hmm. my free forward observer because he's there yeah and i just do so uh i reckon 90 percent of the time he fails miserably yeah. on a, you know oh yeah <laughs> On a 50% chance of him doing what he's supposed to do, he fails 90% of that time. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I certainly, I much prefer the second edition um, rules of a scattered bombardment yeah, on one, as opposed to the, I'm going to move it 24 and just mm-hmm. drop it right on you. It's for something that's, whether it's it's free in this situation, but in other lists you are paying for it. And yeah. it's quite steep. It's like 100 points. Normally. It really is, yeah. Yeah, to pay that and then have such a backfire. It's like the worst possible thing i wouldn't take it in a normal army i don't think under first edition rules yeah because there's just too much risk involved because mm-hmm. you roll a one 50 of the time yeah it's yeah anyway take the freebie where you can because the russians are going to be running around with a 12-man squad yeah. and i'm sure the french get something who knows yeah they do but <laughs> i but you're also running a veteran list uh yeah. and so for you it's it's you know you do it's you, you are yeah thing. exactly and especially since you're running those bigger squads you're not running you know a ton of order dice and it gives you that one extra dice um which really does you know matter it helps yeah i wouldn't want to do it without it uh and it, it is also for me generally it's the thing that puts pins onto the enemy vehicles so yeah. if someone rocks up with a panzer or a sherman or mm-hmm. whatever something reasonable i generally don't pack a lot of at because it's not generally the theme right and it sort of puts some pins on them it shuts them down for a turn it just gives me a bit of mobility um i'm often found assaulting vehicles because uh, it's generally the only thing mm-hmm. i can do to deal with them um because they will just mow you down or blow you up pretty mm-hmm. badly so yeah, uh, got the observer, and then I've put in a fourth paratroop unit for this. Generally, I, I 
run a fourth unit most of the time. It's just a case that this is the one that I generally play around with sizing, kit outs, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Uh, in this case, just running a seven-man, just based on the points. Mm. Uh, got three SMGs in it and four rifles. So, again, it's another... I've sort of got two base defensive mm-hmm. long-range squads and I've sort of gone two assault squads, if you will. Nice. This one's slightly smaller, a little less SMGs, yeah. but a bit more balanced, I suppose. Um, I, th- I think the other thing worth pointing out, those base LMG squads that I run, they're 138 points each. Yeah, they're expensive. They're, they're not cheap. No. Um, so, you know, they, they are tough. They, don't, they take up a big chunk of your points. Mm-hmm. Two of those is, you know, 280 points. It's it's a fair bit to take into a, into a list. Um, so you've got a fourth paratroop squad. So hold, on, hold on really quick. Um, as someone, now I, I can I can hear a couple of people in the internet making that noise of, oh, that's not efficient. Oh, that's not good, blah. As I'm someone who's, yeah, well, as <laughs> someone who's played against you, those squads are bastards to get around. Um, yeah. And yes, you can mitigate that with the use of, you know, mortars or, you know, big AT guns and things like that. But man, Having you're a KG player, and the and the fact that you're using those two squads, they may not be the most efficient thing points wise. They may be bigger than what the internet says you should have, or they may not be kitted the right way. Quote air quotes on that. But man, they fit the theme and the purpose of your army. And man, you play them well, and it synergizes well with the force overall. It just makes for a great force and man they're tough so you got your four squad sorry i'm i just thought yeah, i just yeah. i would say that it, like though digging them out to quote the great jesse ventura it's like digging out an alabama tick it's just it's hard to do and it's it's it hurts um and i think that those are key units to your strategy and i can't imagine your army without them yeah and they just they're such a tar pit for people, yeah. Um, I find the worst performing for them is bad placement or people that basically run the other way or, or go round wide and basically avoid fire lanes and things like that. Because then you're you dictating the table in a way and the terrain, but you're not getting efficiency out of them. And then generally, you only get a turn of shooting maybe with them before they get assaulted or something happens to them. So uh, the worst thing is someone comes bearing down on you with a with a tank because they physically can't do anything to it um, the best they can do is try and survive long enough to then launch an assault um, i don't take the tank grenades as an option i tried it a few times um, i find it's just a bit too situational for the points cost mm-hmm. uh, you're spending a fair few points to sort of kit out a unit that's already very expensive yeah. but something that's situational if you've got them and you get the opportunity, yeah, it's great. You think it's the best thing ever. But otherwise, it's it's a point sink in something that's expensive to begin with and you don't have much choice. So I, I don't take them, which means my assaults are limited. Generally try and weather the, weather the fire, if you will, be close enough so that way get first dice on a turn, launch an assault before they've had a chance to move, hitting them on fours as opposed to sixes if they're, you know, they move otherwise um, and try and get that initiative off as, as best as possible to try and deal with enemy armor um, using the squads if I have to generally. Yeah. Uh, um, 
So what else have I got on my list? I've got a medium mortar team. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a big mortar person when I started. Uh, I tried out my light mortar. I tried out the medium mortar. Decided they didn't really do much. Went away from them. This was first edition. Uh, I've come back to the medium mortar. Um, I think got hit a few times by some other people's forces using mortars against me. And I went, mm-hmm. I need to go back and look at this thing again. Yeah. Uh, I add a spotter pretty much every time just because of line of sight. I generally position the medium mortar. I don't do the, I'm going to hide it behind this forest or this house. So nothing you've got can see because if someone takes out my spotter with a sniper or a lucky shot or whatever, all of a sudden I've now got to move my mortar team and it's just painful. I generally yeah. position them so they do have a field of fire over a portion of the battlefield. So I put them in cover from a big chunk but create a little bit of a, okay, well, I can see over here and then use my spotter to position and try and cover a different portion. So that way there's always the option of if my spotter do- dies, then I've still got some line of sight to something and try and balance it out. It gives me options each turn as well to say, okay, well, I'm going to shoot over here with a spotter or I'm going to use the mortar director fire over this direction. So that's just sort of around positioning, but Absolutely. certainly have enjoyed using it and it's had some good success. Sorry, Tristan, at the last event, <laughs> might have mortared a few things out of existence. I rolled mm-hmm. several sixes in several turns in a row. It was a bit ridiculous. Um, my dice were hot that game. Uh, well, so action, run that. man. That happens. Mm. And then uh, the thing that I think all the netlisters uh, aren't willing to invest in is a Piat team. Yeah. I have run one from day dot, and I'll continue to run them because they dictate your opponent a bit. They force them to think about their vehicles and where they position them and how they bring them forwards. I generally run a Piat team either up behind another squad just to sort of give them some cover, or I bounce them from cover to cover just running each turn and hopefully trying to get within that sort of 12 to 16 inch, uh, 12 to six inch range. Um, it's 50 points. It's really generally one shot, sometimes two shots if they're lucky per game that they get off. Yeah. But the plus five penetration, you don't take a range penalty on the pen roll. Cause it's right. charge. Um, so if you can stand still targets, 12 inches away, mm-hmm. you're at four to hit, most vehicles, they're not going to be getting cover bonuses when you're shooting at them because you can position appropriately. So generally, it's a four to hit, plus five on the pen. If they're nine armor, it's four again. So you get sort of a, a reasonable chance, in my view. They are yeah. small team for the neg one to hit as well. Mm-hmm. Put them in a bit of cover. Most of the time, people are needing sixes to hit them. Yep. Just avoid snipers is probably my big tip. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they've, they've got some decent kills off them over the years. Uh, I think they're a good, fun little unit, but yeah. they're still a little fragile. And if someone gets close and shoots them or assaults them, they're, they're toast. Uh, there is always the option, though, of just shooting a P at, at an infantry person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be used on tanks. Yeah. Close range, two to hit, plus five pen. Make someone go boom. You are, you are <laughs> exactly. going to cause a you will cause a casualty. Uh, I like uh, when you use these. I like how sometimes you use them defensively in our games, and you sort of hide them. Like you move them up, you get them into a part, a point in the board that you know I need to get to. Um, and I know, having played you enough now, I know to respect that piot. And so um, 
if, especially since it doesn't have the minus one for shape charge, um, if I get close enough to an objective with my tank or with a, you know, a, a half track or something that I have as a unit in it that I need to get there, and I know your Piat's hiding behind that damn house and I can't get to it, um, it really gives me pause. Uh, and again, it's just one of those units that forces me to deal with it. It's just one more thing in your army that I have to consider in my, you know, in my strategy with the tabletop that forces me to make hard decisions um, that I don't want to make. And I love that about the Piat, especially since so many people go, ah, poo-poo, it's a Piat, I don't, meh, forget about it. But man, you can put some hurt on with that thing, especially if you, even though it's fragile, as you say, you can definitely get some mileage out of it um, if you use it the right way, which is something that, having used it tons, you do. Mm, it's it's definitely a board control element. And I think dictating, or you're not dictating to your opponent, but you are making them make a hard choice. Yeah. Do they push up? Do they hold back? Do they send a unit out to move forwards and then take them out and then bring their vehicles up? If you're doing that, you're exposing that unit to crossfire from one of my other units or potential counter assaults and things like that so it's 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 a bit like chess there's always going to be a trade-off you know you're going to push something up trade it for something to hopefully trade for something else or are you going to ignore what's being put forward and do something different so i like to use them i I think they're reasonable i've had enough success with them um that i'm happy to take them generally uh as sort of a, a really mobile kind of thing uh, two last things on the list at the moment. Yeah. Um, one is the Polston Cannon, which was... Oh, a... yeah, the new thing. I, I guess it's not new it's... anymore, but it yeah, was at one point. Yeah, it's been out a while now. Yeah. yeah. Warlord just dropped us on it, dropped it on us. Yeah. I think it was probably maybe 18 months, maybe two years ago now even. God. Um, Time gets away from me. It's from all of us, I think. Yeah. And... It was something that was covered off in the the book, but there'd been no rumors of a model, and then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a model, it's it's quite nice. It's got a big, chunky metal base. Uh, they molded in because uh, it's it's basically a, a cross frame with wheels on the end that was used for transport, and it all sort of folds up because it was designed to fit onto the um, the gliders for deployment and everything as well. Sort of as an it's an anti-air piece, effectively. Yeah. It's got flak rule. It's mm-hmm. fixed weapon. But they molded the actual model with this big base. It's probably, I'd say, three to four inches aside, maybe three by three. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's pretty solid, and it's effectively all molded in with terrain and then the, the sort of the, the cross bracing, and then mm-hmm. it's got the sort of little platform in the middle. And then you take the little gun mount with the, the gunner on it and uh, stick that in the middle. Um, I drilled mine out, put a brass rod through and drilled yeah. it out a bit more just to make it a bit more stable. And so, yeah, it, it's quite a chunky piece. Uh, now the rules for it, they put on online as well at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's basically an auto cannon yep. being an AA sort of style thing. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a light auto cannon though. It's yeah. So it's 60 points. That's right. Base for a veteran. Cause veterans Mm -hmm. and it's 48 inch range two shots plus two on the pen and it's he one inch so two one inch little templates Mm -hmm. Uh, so but what you can do for each additional 30 points you wish to spend you can add a second 
uh, cannon, basically. Mm-hmm. So a second barrel. So you can take up to four barrels. So imagine sort of a quad cannon oh, wow. sitting there shooting off, going bang, 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 which would give you eight HE one-inch shots Whoa. at 48 inch range. Now, that, admittedly, that's going to set you back 150 points. But that's horrifying. <laughs> it is. It, it's pretty good. It puts the old uh, quad maxim into mm-hmm. perspective. It does. Uh from a points cost point of view. Uh, but it's still a three-man team. It's artillery. Yeah. So you can't snipe it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you know, take a couple of guys out. It's, you know, HE still going to ruin their day. They yeah. don't have gun shield or anything like that. Exactly. But 48-inch range, you can you can stick them fairly far back and still reach out. It's, it's quite good. Um, so I've, I run mine. Uh, in this case, I've added a second barrel. So I've got two barrels, effectively. Nice. So four shots. HE one inch. Uh, the only thing, uh, I'm not sure if everyone's up to speed on the HE rules, but if you are firing these multi shots, the HE templates have to touch each other. That's right. So you've got to daisy chain them out. I really need to make some sort of arts and craft yeah. daisy chain HE blob. Um, sort of chain things that way I can position it a bit better with, with stuff. Uh, but effectively, so that sort of limits your thing because if you've got, if your opponent has spaced their models out, for instance, an inch apart as they can, your first one's going to hit two guys, but then your second template's basically going to cover that second guy again. Mm-hmm. Maybe clip the, th- probably not clip the third. Then your third template gets him, and then your fourth template. You're probably only going to hit. You're not going to hit like eight guys with four shots. You're going yeah. to hit four, maybe five, depending on how they've placed. That's sort of the yeah the, the difficulty but, with it. But you can make like an L shape with it if depending yeah, on you can, and you can get creative. Plow. Yeah, yeah. You just you can't. You don't cross them over again, so it's That's all just right. no a blob. Yeah. Or you daisy chain it out, or you sort of thing. Which is what I think I need to make a little doohickey. Yeah. Um, but a plus two penetration, I think that's that, that's sort of the extra benefit there as oh, well. Yeah. But still four shots. If they're at range, fours to hit, you're going to hit twice. So it's two one-inch HEs. You're going to hit two, three. You're going to hit probably three guys. Mm-hmm. So for 90 points, it's not too bad. Not bad I think at all. The good thing with it, they come down, barreling down with a uh, Hannah mag or a truck at you loaded up with vodka-swilling, Molotov-carrying Russians. Um, line them up, four shots, plus two pen, you know, deal with light vehicles as well, gives that option. So that's sort of my range light anti-vehicle sort of strategy. Uh, and then the last thing I've put in, which I'm still, I haven't submitted my list. Yeah. Um, this is the bit where it's on a bit iffy. Mm-hmm. I've got a Sherman VC Firefly. Wow, that's new. <laughs> it, it is new. It's was, There's been a lot of chatter, I think, amongst some people that are attending around. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a bit of tank creep going on, I've noticed, locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the larger points value is probably going to encourage it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, what do I do for my AT beyond a Piat? Uh, the Piat, in this case, is probably the backup. A uh, Firefly will do it. 17-pounder, super heavy gun, yeah. plus seven on the pen. That should open up some cans. Yeah, Three-inch HE as well. Yeah. But don't have anything. A three-inch HE at plus seven. Or, no, it's a, I think it's plus three at that against troops. Mm-hmm. Um, that should cause a little bit of uh, bit of pain as well, potentially. Um, the only thing with the Firefly, it's only got the turret-mounted... 
AT gun and a coax MMG, so it's one or the other. Exactly. Uh, you take a normal Sherman V, uh, it's got a coax and a whole mount MMG, so you That's can right. either AT gun or twin MMG or mm-hmm. one or the other. It's also, so I've taken it as a regular, just because points values to take veterans, just insane at this level. Um, it's still 305 points. I am contemplating just making a normal Sherman V. Yeah, but, oh, God, that's that super heavy AT gun, man. It sounds so fun to put on the table. You will definitely be uh, giving people pause with that. And the 3-inch HE. I mean, yeah. Sherman V regular, it's 205. It's a 100-point saving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you drop down to a plus 5 as opposed to a plus 7. It's a bit of a difference. 2-inch HE. Yeah. Slight different, you know, but armor is still the same. Don't have the, you know, uh, Bronson burst into flames rule. That's um, true. Worry about either, which actually reading that rule, on the Shermans, it's actually not bad. Like, it's no. only if they actually roll a fire damage on the damage table. Right. Uh, ironically, I, the only times I think I've had that really rolled on my tanks, and I've had I've run a lot of tanks, is when I run a stupid Sherman. And you go, why now? Why not when I was running my Panther a week ago? Why not the Tiger? But no, it's the, you know, it's Murphy's Law. But yeah, no, it is it is rare when stuff like that happens, so... Yeah. So if I drop it back, what it does do is freeze up 100 points that I could spend on a six-pounder, mm-hmm. AT gun yeah. as an option. That is a great I, option. I could put in one of my little Jeeps. That's right. Although I'm trying to wean myself off those. Yeah. I could put in a light artillery piece, mm-hmm. light howitzer. Um or the 75 mils. Oh, you got options. So many options. So, yeah, do I drop... It gives me another order dice. It'll take me up to 11 order dice mm-hmm. as opposed to 10, which is pretty low because yeah. the tank, it's it's such a big point sink. Yeah. Well, with a hundred and, uh, sorry, 1,111 points, there are going to be a few more order dice than what we would normally consider at a thousand points. So you're going, eh, or are people going to go with the bigger tanks or the bigger toys? That's the question. I don't envy you. I am not putting together a list for this event. So I have no problems because uh, listing for the last event was nerve wracking. Yeah. So I think that's, I, I just need to make a decision in the next, mm-hmm. what have I got? 48 hours before listed you. That's right. <laughs> So yeah, I I, right. I need to have a think about that. But that's that's sort of general. I don't think the core is going to change. I think it's the VC Firefly drops back to a regular Sherman V, and 100 points goes into either. Uh, uh, so the reason I'm saying a six pounder mm-hmm. is your events allowing a second selection right. from a zero one option. But it can't be a duplicate. Can't be a duplicate. So I can't take two Polstons. I can't no, take cannot. two medium orders, for instance. Correct. And we're only using generic platoon selectors. That's right. So no themes. Otherwise, you know, three Jeeps and two medium orders out of the uh, market garden list would be That's pretty right. pretty nice. It would, but not today, buddy. Not today. So. so that does give me the choice of a second artillery option, which fits the theme of the event, goes with the mode, gives me an extra mm-hmm. AT asset. Basically, I'd probably end up with an extra, that seven-man paratroop unit would turn into an eight-man. Probably have to drop an SMG or something somewhere or mm-hmm. even add in 
I couldn't put a medic in. That's not going to work. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, all right. no. Well, options. Yes. Well, we have all the options. Now, I hate to do this, Dealey, but I actually have to roll out. But before we go, um, I'm going to let you stew on the listing for the event. And uh, thank you for sharing. But uh, I would like you to talk to us uh, briefly about what is coming um, because you are running the next big Melvin event. I am. Uh, so it's going to be August the 24th, mm-hmm. uh, running out of the Auburn Bowls Club, mm-hmm. which is where the gaming group, the Monday Nights, meet. That's right. Uh, so I'm capping it at 24 players. Uh, this isn't a traditional, um, I suppose, what do we call them? Swiss round robin events, events, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, it's wanting to run it as a campaign day, effectively. I've always had this bubbling idea in the back of my head and mm-hmm. participated in a few of these style of things in 40K in the back in the days, many years ago, and always wanted to run something with a bit of a, I suppose, story-driven narrative behind it and a sort of bit more objectives and ideas. Um, so I have in my grubby little mitts a very nice market garden map and a very nice vacation map. Nice. Um, They were both late 44 events. They're only a couple of months apart. Uh, Market Garden happened first, then vacation. But effectively, uh, the event is called uh, Stop the Hoff. So for those who are old enough or who have access to Google, uh, at the fall of the Berlin Wall, east meets west back in the 80s, David Hasselhoff was there and, you know, he seemed to be a, a big part of it, or it's become part of the, the myth and the legends of the time. And he sang some songs up on top of the wall as it was broken down and things like that. So yeah, right. if we want an alternative history, we need to stop the Hoff. You have the option of defending Germany and therefore stopping the, the creation of the Berlin Wall. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps the Allies get into Berlin before the Russians get in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a few different options there uh so effectively looking uh to get 24 players together uh i want to have 12 german players Mm -hmm. six russians and six allies and basically going to split the germans into half have half fighting the russians on the eastern front and half fighting the allies on the western front Mm -hmm. so looking for themed uh market garden and bagration type lists although you know Obviously flexible within that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, obviously there are going to be some special awards for players that actually theme their lists specifically for those theatres. Mm-hmm. And effectively play three rounds for the day. Uh, I've set up... So we'll have the maps. We'll be able to position people on the board. So if the Allies win, they'll advance across the board. If the Russians win, they'll advance. If the Germans manage to defend, that'll sort of affect the, affect the play mm-hmm. and where sort of things end up on the map. Uh, people will be tracking their individual scores as well. It's going to be very objective-based games because we're trying to make our way into Berlin, join into the uh, Rhineland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, looking at that, uh, variable points levels. So looking for players to bring along lists of 800, 1,000, and 1,200. Mm-hmm. And depending on your performance, we'll determine what you play the following round. Nice. Uh, obviously keep things matched. So first round will be 1,000 points. If you win, your next round's going to be 1,200. If you've lost, 
the Fuhrer is banished due to the uh, out of planes. Oh, interesting. And it's stripped you of resources, and you have been given a smaller allocation. So you're mm -hmm. fighting on the flanks with 800 points. So there's going to be a bit of that variance. I've got a couple other things I'm trying to put together mm -hmm. um, as well to make the day a bit more themed and sort of a bit more interactive. Uh, so, yeah, looking uh, to have that happen. So the details are all on as a Facebook mm -hmm. event. Stop the half. That's right. Stop it's in the VBAL Victorian Bolt Action League uh, Facebook page. If you haven't joined it and you're in a local, you're a local player, you should definitely do that. Yep, for sure. And I think we've we're probably in double digits already. Certainly get a lot of messages from people mm -hmm. keen to play, uh, and it's sort of generated a bit of interest. But yeah, it's. You know, there's going to be little trophies. It's we're not playing sheep stations. Exactly. Um, there's no first place. There's just going to be best, best generals from each side, mm -hmm. and uh, looking also at themed lists, awards, and and painting as well, obviously. Nice. And then obviously, I've got a couple of little things I'm sort of keeping on the side at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, to sort of show, you know. But I think the big thing is really here's the maps, here's the campaigns. Can you, you know, will Market Garden be successful? Will bagration be stopped? That's right. Where's it all fit? Will so, the half get off the wall? That's the question. That's it. Right on. Will, he, will he have the opportunity or will the wall never exist? That's right. Well, I'm sure, uh, given that we have quite a lot of time between now and then, that uh, we will talk about this again on a future Cast Ice because I am definitely planning on playing. Uh, well, Lee, thank you very much for coming on. I am sorry, I do have to run, but it is always a pleasure having you on. I'm sorry, uh, listeners, we are seem to have problems with our Skype at the moment. It's a little uh, seashore-y this evening, um, but uh, I think having Lee on is definitely worth it. Uh, I always love having you on. Thank you, Lee. No problems. Right on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you would like to give us feedback, you can find us on Facebook under Cast Dice. That's C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you type that in, you will find the Lando Misfit Toys, home of the Cast Dice podcast. You can message me there. My name is Brad. I look forward to hearing from you. But I think that before we do anything else, um, I should probably say that no matter what you are doing on a gaming table... I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. I hope that everything goes your way. But more than that, I hope that you are having fun. Ladies and gentlemen, good night.